Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. The book of 1 Peter in chapter number 3. We're continuing with our series of 1 Peter with the emphasis of strengthening the brethren. That the things that are found in the book of 1 Peter is meant to strengthen us up in our walk with the Lord. Understanding that persecution is around the corner and that we need to be ready for those things. We find our way into the book of 1 Peter chapter number 3 as we pick this up again and a very important message and idea of preparation that we find in the book of 1 Peter chapter number 3. The book of 1 Peter chapter 3, and notice with me if you don't mind, starting at verse number 13. The book of 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of them which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of a reason of the hope that is within with you, in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evildoing. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a very important phrase that we find in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, and notice with me in verse 15, notice the phrase, be ready always to give an answer. Be ready always to give an answer. And with the Lord's help, we want to put a, put an emphasis here of being strong in your answer to be ready, to be ready. Now in the context of this, as we've been kind of promoting the book of 1 Peter, understanding that persecution is around the corner. And now as we start getting into the heart of the matter, notice again the context of it, starting at verse 13. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of them that are good. Now, this is a rhetorical question. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers that are good? Do you understand that you could do good and people still want to do you ill will? Still want to harm you when you do good? There are people. Some people have in mind that if they try to do good in life, they try to do the right things, be the right person, that what's going to happen is that the world's going to leave them alone because they're good. It does not work that way. Some preachers said this, that whenever they're kicking you in the rear, you know that you had the lead. That um, if you don't want any kind of persecution, you don't want any kind of uh, hard times, be nothing, say nothing, and do nothing. But as long as you start striving for good things, you start striving for the Lord, you will suffer persecution. In fact, that's a promise that we find in the book of 2 Timothy. Yea, all that live godly 
shall suffer persecution. That's as real as a promise as John 3.16. And so this is covering this idea that you're not to be deceived, that if you're going to do what's good, you should also expect there are going to be some people who are going to be against you. Again, verse 13, and who is he that will harm you if you be followers that which is good? But, and, notice this, but as a conjunction carrying on there, but, and, uh, if ye suffer for righteous sake, happy are you. Now, that's normally not something that you put together in the same sentence. Suffering and happiness. Suffering and happiness. Normally, you think the other one. If I'm suffering, then I get the right to be miserable. But here it says, if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid. We were just speaking about this phrase. Be not afraid. And be not afraid of their terror. Neither be troubled. Why? Because you should be expecting it. If you start living for the Lord. You should have some expectations. That Satan and his forces. Are going to be stirred up. And not be happy about it. That not only Satan and his forces. Other people who don't want to live for the Lord. Are not going to be happy about it. There are going to be people who are convicted. Because they don't want to follow the Lord. And they want to get rid of any reminder. In fact as you study the Bible. You'll see this common principle. That whenever anything goes wrong. Blame the preacher. You'll see this principle all over. You take uh, Samaria. They're starving. They're getting to the place where mothers are eating their own children. They report to the king. King, this is what's going on. And the king says, you know what? It's the preacher's fault. Let's go kill the preacher. And they go send people to go kill him. So that's going to solve your whole problems of of, uh, famine and and the, the siege outside the enemy army and the people eating it is if you kill the preacher. Well, that happens all the time that any type of Christian who wants to live for the Lord, there are going to be people who do not want to live for the Lord who will not like it. And they're going to do whatever they can to get rid of that message, to neutralize the message, to make it so the message doesn't bother them anymore. And so we should be expecting it so much so that, but if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. Why? Because we're doing it for the Lord. We're serving the Lord. We're trying to follow the Lord. We're doing what's right. And that we could, we're, if we're doing what's right, we're pleasing to the Lord, even if no one else is happy. And it says, because of this, be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. The Bible here gives us a commandment that we're not supposed to be in terror. Don't be afraid of their terror. They could threaten all they want. The worst they're going to do is kill you. But with it, don't threaten me with heaven. If I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, I know where I'm going. And I get to go with my master. I don't have to live in this ugly, icky world anymore. And so we don't have to be afraid of them. We, our goal is to be pleasing to God. That when we see God, all those lesser fears fade away. Again, we just covered this principle just recently on Wednesday night. That as we look up to the Lord, the lesser fears fade. Uh, fail away. Notice with me in verse 16. Having a good conscience, remember this good conscience. We're supposed to strive to have good conscience between God and man. Having a good conscience, whereas they speak evil of you as 
of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Remember this word conversation is an old word that carries the idea of our behavior. Not just what we say, but what we are. And here... We need to be striving to have a good conscience between God and man. And if we're trying to do what's right, that's the goal. Trying to do what's right. That they may be speak evil of you as evildoers. They may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. That we're supposed to live a way that we live like Jesus Christ. That we're trying to live an example. And when people yell at us, when people try to persecute us, when they try to make things hard on us, that we still want to maintain a good testimony so that way they can't... (laughs) Basically, they're the bad guys. We can't give them a reason to justify their actions. See, I knew they weren't right. We need to be a type of people that live a type of life that in the midst of persecution, we're not going to respond badly, but we're still going to respond properly. Verse number 17, for it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing rather than evil-doing. Now, we're going to end up suffering. We're going to get accused of something. It's best to be uh, accused of doing good than doing wrong. Meaning, don't rob banks. (laughs) Don't lie. Be the person you should be. There's a principle that you can't please everybody. Don't even try. Please God. That's the one we're supposed to please to. And people are going to criticize you no matter what you do. Let them criticize you for doing right rather than doing wrong. Well, you say, well, this sounds kind of heavy. This is kind of big. On the center of this is verse number 15. And the secret to this is be ready always. Be ready always. How is it that in the midst of persecution that I can maintain a good testimony? How is it that when persecution hits that I'm still going to do the right thing? How is it that I'm going to do the right thing anyways? Be ready. Be ready. And so with this, we want to understand that persecution is coming around the corner. There is a preparation that must be made now in order to live the way that we ought to then. Be ye ready. Let me show you a couple different things that we have to understand dealing with this idea of readiness. First of all, we understand that readiness involves preparation. Readiness involves in preparation. What is involved in this readiness? Well, readiness involves preparation. The preparation, first of all, starts with salvation. If you are going to do what's right in the midst of hard situations, you first of all need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. What does that mean? That you realize that first of all that, G- that you're a sinner and because of your sin that Jesus, uh, that you offended a holy righteous God and you deserve to go to an awful place called hell. But that Jesus died for you and you come to the place where you personally ask Jesus to be your Savior. That's what we speak about of salvation. And you have to have that settled in your own life because if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it is going to be very difficult, nay impossible, to be able to stand against persecution. Think about the disciples. Out of the uh, 
12 disciples, we know that one of them was a traitor. One of them wasn't a believer. And he went and hung himself. Out of the 11 that remained, 10 of them died martyrs' death. Meaning they were killed for their faith. Whether it was Thomas who was on his knees praying when someone shot him with an arrow because they were tired of his missionary works. Or you take... Um, Someone like Peter, who by tradition, he was uh, crucified upside down. And so he was crucified like Christ, but, he had, but they had the cross upside down. They had Andrew who was crucified in kind of like an X formation. They have uh, St. Andrew's cross. And so all of them suffered some type of persecution. Well, who would suffer persecution for a lie? Or for something they did not believe in? Well, we understand that something that goes against human nature. That when it comes to the idea that we're going to stand against persecution, we have to have a preparation. And the first preparation is that we have to have it nailed down. That you know according to the Bible, not from someone's thoughts, not someone's opinions. Do you know without a doubt that the word of God is true? That you have accepted what God said in his word about forgiveness of sins and how we could have it through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That salvation has to be nailed down a mile deep. Has to be nailed down that I know that I know that I know that I'm forgiven of my sins. And I know the one who forgave me. Now with this, there's an also a preparation that we see here. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to everyone that asketh you. Now here it goes on that we're supposed to be ready to have an answer. To be ready to have an answer for the reason of hope within you. Now here's the, the context. Persecution has come. They are now accusing us, whether it's by words or whether they're persecuting us physically through torture, through other devices, through throwing in jail. And in the midst of this, in the context, it's saying that we're still supposed to have good behavior as it talks about the example of Christ at the end of 1 Peter chapter number 2, the same book, the chapter before, you don't have to turn there, but it talks about Jesus Christ, how he didn't rail back. He didn't accuse them. When they're in the midst of killing him, he still responded properly. He is our example. And so the Bible says that we're supposed to be ready always to have an answer to um, every man that asks you of the reason, the hope within you. So in the midst of the persecution, when we're responding properly, when we're still behaving like Christ, when we're following the example of Christ, and they look at them and say, what's wrong with you? How can you still be joyful? Remember, joy is not in our circumstances. Our joy is in the Lord. That we could be joyful even in persecution. And it confuses them. What's wrong with you? How are you behaving this way? May I give real world examples? Oftentimes, there was um, <laughs> uh, times that Christians would be rounded up. And they would get ready to put them up on the fire. And they would put them up on the fire and burn them at the stake. And as the fire would be burning against them, they would have uh, a bag of gunpowder. It was called a faggot. And they would put the uh, bag of uh, gunpowder right at their neck. And so as the fire would burn them, it would burn them for a while until finally it caught... Uh, 
the bag of gunpowder uh, and sparked it and then blew their head off. That's a nice way to go. And as the fire would be burning the Christians, they would be singing hymns. They would be praying. They would be quoting scripture as they're being burnt alive. And it would confuse them. They said, what's wrong with these people? They have something different. You would have people who would be put on the torture rack where they would take ropes and put on their arms and legs and they would stretch them out until their joints are out of joint. Until they're dislocated. And they would be in a torturous thing where they're being stretched out. And when the torturers would come to release the pressure, the people being tortured said, stop, keep it on there because God is so real to me right now. He's giving me such grace. And they would be confused. What's wrong with these people? No one else is tortured like this. What's wrong with him? And they would go and say, what makes you different? The people I've tortured before, none of them have behaved this way. The people that we've burned before, they've never responded this way. What makes you different? Why can you say that God is so close? Give me a reason of this hope that is within you. That's what the Bible is saying here. That we're to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope within you. First of all, it has to start with salvation. But when we move on from that, there also has to be a preparation of your own personal walk with the Lord. That if your walk with the Lord is not close now, it will not be close later. If you do not have a close walk with God now, you will not respond when it is hard to develop. This is why we've been saying for the book of 1 Peter that what this is telling us is persecutions right around the corner. Now is the time to develop the habit of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now is the time to develop that relationship with the Lord. Now is the time to prepare yourself for when those times come. Now, by the way, we talked about torture and all that other stuff, but yet we still have things that we deal with on a daily basis. You understand that people are watching us. And when they see us have a bad day, meaning the tire goes flat, something goes bad at work and whatever else, and they watch us not be grumpy like everyone else, it makes them curious. And they want to know, how can you have a peace when all of this is going on in your life? Be ready always to give an answer. You understand this is not just when the torture comes. This comes when we have a bad day and we've responded properly. And they want to know what is different. And this requires preparation. It starts off with salvation. That has to be nailed down. But this other preparation is preparing now to have your walk with the Lord. You will never be a spiritual person without first being a scriptural person. If you're not in your Bible, you are not preparing yourself. By the way, it goes beyond the Bible. 
This is why we have discipleship. What is discipleship? The way that we define discipleship is developing the habit of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. That everything we do in the Christian life is habits. We get in the habit of um, going to church. We get in the habit of reading our Bible. We get in the habit of giving. We get in the habit of praying. We get in the habit of forgiving. I just was talking with a man the other day. He, uh, Pastor Griesbach on New Year's was speaking about forgiveness and bitterness. And he was talking with me for a while and he said, I've never heard this concept before. He says, what happens if someone does something horrible to me? What happens if I'm driving and someone hits my vehicle and then takes off? You forgive them. What? What do you mean forgive them? Yes. But what happens if they do this and this horrible thing? You forgive them. I said, in fact, Jesus doubles down on that. His disciples went to Jesus and said, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? With the idea that if someone did the same thing to you seven times in that one day, if they hit number eight, am I free? Can I go ahead and be mad at them now? Can I hold a grudge? And Jesus answered 70 times seven. Now for those math whizzes out there, 70 times seven, 490 times. And so is Jesus saying that if somebody comes up to you and does the same thing to you 490 times, when you get to 491 times, whoo, all right, I've been waiting for this number. Now you've got it. No, what's being taught there is that if you've actually forgiven someone who did the same exact thing to you 490 times in one day, You've already been in the habit of forgiving. When 491 comes, you're already going to easily forgive them because you've developed the habit of forgiving. Does that make sense? Now is the time for our prep work. Now is the time. By the way, there's this prep work that you should know your Bible. We, dev- we have discipleship where we say we want you to develop the habit of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. But you also need to know what the Bible says. That's why we have here uh, in our church, we have Evening School of the Bible. We want you to know what the Bible has to say. Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, basic Bible doctrine. You know, these are things that you need to be preparing in your own life so you can explain to someone else of the reason of the hope within you. Why are you not responding like everyone else? What makes you different? May I take some time to explain to you, give you a reason of the hope that's within me. But the Bible says to be ready. May I ask you that as a question? Would you be ready? Could you explain to someone what the Bible has to say concerning salvation? Could you explain to, the, to someone of why you find it important of you praying every day? Think about Daniel. Daniel was in the habit of praying every day, morning, noon, and night. So much so that they passed a law because they couldn't find any other way to accuse Daniel. Didn't we just say this? That they would be looking for it. He did everything that was right. They couldn't find anything he did wrong. So they had to pass a law just to make him do something wrong. And they passed a law that he could not pray to any other God except for Uh, the king for 30 days because Daniel was already in the habit of of praying every day. Everyone knew that and it was easy for him to continue in that habit. 
Well, the people were outside of his window listening. They were looking for a way to accuse him. And they immediately rushed to the king and said, Hey, didn't you just pass a law that no one could pray to any other God except for you? Yes. Daniel just broke your law. Are you going to uphold your law? He was stuck. He had to obey the law that he passed. This is a big deal. And so by that law, they threw a 90-year-old man into a lion's den. And as you read that story, read it for yourself, Daniel chapter 6. You have the king coming up and said, is God able to deliver you? God is able to deliver you. And the next morning, Daniel, did God deliver you? Yes. And with that, it's also implied that he was saying, give me a reason of why you have this hope. Give me a reason. Explain. Be ready. And so he had to be ready. When you are able to say at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm blessed. And people say, how can you be blessed at 2 o'clock in the morning? May I explain why? Can I explain to you? You understand that's a testimony. I won't give it now, but you could ask for it later. Something true that happened. You should have that type of thing that people say, I watched your life. I just watched you have the most horrible day and you were still saying God is good. What's wrong with you? Are you ready? Are you ready? We start off, at, first of all, that this readiness starts with preparation. Are you ready? Have you prepared? Are you in the Bible? Could you explain from the Bible? Could you open up the Bible and help them? That's going to be our source of the answer, by the way. And if you don't know the Bible, you cannot explain to them. You don't need to use your own words. You need to use the words of Scripture to be able to say this is what the Bible has to say. We know that readiness involves preparation. Something else that we see is that readiness involves a person. Readiness involves a person. Notice with me in verse 15 again. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That word sanctify in this sense carries the idea that you're separated and belong wholly to Jesus Christ. That inside of our hearts that we've made a decision that it's all about Him. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. We belong to Jesus. We are to look at Him. We get our strength, our encouragement, and our help when it comes to looking at Him. We had our theme for last year that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That circumstances don't determine joy. God determines joy. The person of Jesus Christ determines our joy. We joy and have peace because we look at Him. And as we look at him, we have the strength that we need. If you are looking at something else when those hard times come, you are not going to respond properly. We're responding in a living God, a real living God who looks at him. It takes preparation to be ready, but it also takes a person to be ready. Are you close to that person? Are you looking at him? Now, God knows how difficult life can be. In the book of Hebrews chapter number 11, it deals with the hall of faith. And it says, by faith, by faith. And it gives the name of the person and shows their action. By the way, in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11, those were people who were suffering through hard times in one way or another. And their response of dealing with hard times, by faith, 
by faith. Might as well define what we mean by faith. Our definition of faith, we see it described in Hebrews chapter number 11. We see faith defined in Hebrews chapter number 12 verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. That readiness involves a person. Jesus Christ. He is the one that we're trying to please. We're the one that we're separated unto. That Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. That as we're to be ready to give an answer of the hope that's within us. Readiness involves preparation. That we have to prepare before the event. We have to be working at it and developing the habit of obedience to Christ now. Readiness involves a person that we draw ourselves close to the Jesus Christ. He's the one that we're looking at. He's the one that we're pleasing. It says to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. He's the one that we're looking for. But there's something else that readiness involves. That readiness involves purity. Readiness involves purity. Notice with me, if you don't mind, as we continue to look in um, <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 3, and notice with me at verse number 16. It says, Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. In this, we need to know to be true to ourselves. We have to have a good conscience. This carries this idea of purity. What is a good conscience? Well, we know that a conscience is something that God has given every man as a system of right and wrong. And yet so many people violate their conscience by doing something they know they shouldn't do. It's hard to say that I'm trusting God while at the same time I'm cheating on my wife. It's very hard to say I love Jesus when I'm planning on cheating on my taxes. It's very hard to say, I'm close to God when I'm shoplifting from the store. You understand that this involves a purity. Never underestimate the power of purity in someone's life. This idea of someone who is striving to do what's good, striving to do what's right, striving to uh, have a life that's above reproach, uh, living a life that is good, having a conscience, having a clear conscience. So many people have a soiled, filthy conscience. And you don't have to. That conscience can be cleared, it can be purged. And you can live a life of good conscience, a life without guilt. You can never underestimate the power of holiness, the power of purity in someone's life. Going back to verse 15 as we tie that to where we're at. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man who asketh you a reason of the hope that's within you. Notice this, with meekness and fear. Notice this meekness and fear. As we talk about the purity here, this meekness and fear is not an idea that, listen here, you got the wrong person and you're going to burn for this. That's not meekness and fear. What is meekness, by the way? Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. God has every ability to go wipe everybody off. But here with this meekness, we understand, Lord... You want to use me for this situation. I want you to use me somehow, some way in the midst of this hard time. And that I want to respond properly to people. There's a purity that I have. I'm not trying to get back at people. I want to have a good conscience that even when I stand 
in all of this that I'm able to stand with meekness and fear. By the way, this fear is fear of the Lord. That I'm standing under Him. And I want to have a good conscience to Him. He's the one I'm looking for. And so with this, may I ask that question again? Do you consider yourself prepared? Are you ready for persecution? And are you ready to respond properly in persecution? And are you ready to be able to give an answer of the hope that's within you when those times come? Readiness involves preparation. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are there things you could do doing now? Yes. Are, have you been in discipleship? Are you in discipleship? Are you learning more about scripture? There's more things that you could do to be learning about it. To have a hungering and thirsting for it. Are you looking for it? I want to be there. Is your goal to know him that I may know him? Is he your goal? Is he's, if something else is your goal, then it's going to fall apart when those hard times come. It's something else that you're depending upon. You know, as long as my wife is strong, I'll be strong. Well, what happens when she's not strong? Am I going to fall apart? What are we looking at? What are we doing? Are you ready? So we understand that we have an unknown future in our country now. We don't know what's going to happen. We know that there's a lot of disconcerting things, even in things around us. People in Canada still cannot meet together in church. Oddly enough, I just had a missionary who's supposed to call me back tomorrow. He says, we're going to Canada to start a church. You know they're not having churches right now. Yep. Praise the Lord. He's asking for trouble, isn't he? Well, what about the people who went to Iraq, Saudi Arabia to start churches? Do you think they're very welcoming to churches? No, not really. But they said, I'm going anyways. You know, there has to be a readiness to go if you're going to go do that. Are you ready? You may not go to Saudi Arabia. You may not even go to Canada. But are you ready here? Are you ready to live? Are you prepared? Are you sanctified? Are you looking to God? This involves quite a bit. Are you ready? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.